Hello everybody, Kirk and Anthony are here. Hey there guys, welcome back to the Grund Podcast. Uh, Kirk, what are, we, uh, what are we doing here? Well, the return episode that we did a month or so ago, we obviously had a very specific topic to discuss that day. We talked about the DC fandom. That was a long episode because it was a, a very long event, I guess. So today we don't have a very specific topic that we'll be talking about for, throughout the whole episode. Uh, we figured we'd actually just come back and just have a chat. That might be fun to listen to. So that's what we're doing here today. And uh, Anthony, what's been going on this week? Uh, well, I guess one of the, the major things that I did, that I hope everyone listening here did, you know, shame on you if you didn't. I bought tickets for The Batman and I actually bought two different sets of tickets. I, I, I won't lie. <laughs> so, because I, I must ask, so you, you've got two different sessions that you're going to. Yes. Are they on the same day? No, no. Okay. Um, they are Tuesday and a Thursday, um, which you're okay. probably thinking, like, Tuesday? That's a bit early for a film. Um, yeah, so I caught news on whatever the day before the tickets went on sale that they'd be doing early IMAX screenings for the Batman. And uh, I was lucky enough to have a relatively close screening going on here Tuesday, March 1st. And uh, I hopped on as soon as tickets went on sale. And from what I understand, IMAX tickets have now sold out. So I'm very, very glad that I did. And I'm glad that there was a showing here. So I bought tickets for that. And then as soon as like the regular tickets went on sale for the Thursday preview showings and then whatever, I bought tickets for uh, a Thursday showing. They're really showing it like really early. I don't know about if it's the same thing over there. But I've noticed here, they'll start showings at like three in the afternoon like i noticed that with uh spider-man maybe it's just the big movies but like spider-man had like afternoon screenings like the thursday showing i'm going to is at 4 30 and that's weird it's like the movie doesn't even like is it does it does it technically come out march 4th if if we've got like half a day of screenings on march 3rd like what's the oh, point so you'll you're saying that instead of it uh session starting at midnight they're starting at 3 p.m. Yeah, yeah. So like, Oh, that's uh, weird. Okay. Yeah, so like, obviously, midnight showings used to be a big thing back in the day. Yeah. And then since then, they've kind of had it like Thursday evening as opposed to Thursday at midnight. And mm-hmm. now they're taking that even further. And just, like I said, I think I saw a showing as early as like 3.30 or 3 o'clock or somewhere around there, which is, like I said, bizarre. Like, if, if the movie comes out March 4th, and I'm I'm seeing it when people could technically like still be at work or in school on a Thursday. That's a little weird <laughs> yeah. to me, but uh, th- that's that's besides the point. The main thing is that I'm I get to see it early, which I don't think I've ever been able to like see a film early. So this will be my mm. first experience where I've gotten to see a film like before most of the world, which is I mean super exciting. I won't lie. Uh, so I'm I'm very much looking forward to that. You you've had a, a couple chances to see uh, movies early, right? I can think of one in particular. I think. Yeah, well, the way it works over here is our uh, debut day for a film is a Thursday. That's just the norm here. Um, and when it's Thursday here in Australia, it's Wednesday over there for majority of the day. So we generally get things significantly earlier. Um, yeah, I mean, if you count a day as a significant time frame. But, uh, yeah, so for here, I'm seeing it on the 2nd of March, 
which is obviously when it's the 1st of March for you. Um, but I'm seeing it late in the evening, so I think technically you are still seeing it before me, I'm going to guess. Um, but yeah, I have uh, tickets for what are now considered advanced screenings. I think the screenings here uh, on that uh, Wednesday the 3rd start at 6. So it's a similar thing where instead of it debuting at midnight, like midnight screenings being the first sessions, they're starting sessions at 6pm the following... Uh, sorry, the uh, uh, day before. Right. And, I mean, that... I think that has uh, been a thing for a little while now where sessions might start a little bit before midnight, but that's several hours before, that's six hours before midnight. So this is... Yeah, this is becoming a... a normal thing here as well i don't yeah, know why it's it's, it's it's strange i don't know I, I can only assume it's just to get more screen showing it you know like i yeah. i can't help but think if you have showings that are running almost a day before that really boosts your uh preview sales and then your weekend sales as a whole yeah. so i well that's yeah. definitely true like the weekend you know, will be a lot more successful if you have more days to sell tickets. Yeah, so. I know uh, a common thing is like, especially around like summer, is to release a movie during like a Wednesday, and then you get a huge, yeah. <laughs> you get a huge weekend. So that's what uh, famously Transformers: Dark of the Moon released uh, summer 2011, uh, same summer as uh, a lot of things like Green Lantern and Thor, and uh, but most importantly, <laughs> Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part Two. So. Transformers oh, sure, yeah. opened like a cup. They announced it like within a month of its release date, being like, "We're pushing it. It's coming out early." And you know, for people that are excited, are like, "Yeah, they're doing it for the fans." It's like, no, they're just trying to get as much leeway between the release of Harry Potter because everybody knows Harry Potter is going to be yeah. number one for the rest of the summer once it comes out. And I remember that was like the first time I ever yeah. knew something like that could happen. Like. I, I when I realized that you know back in 2011, I was like, oh, okay. So then you start to look at everything, like how does this benefit sales or how does this benefit views? It's never yeah. about you know the fans anymore. It's like okay, they push it to this release date and blah blah blah. What are we working with here? <laughs> yeah, and it's funny because I mean you could probably look all throughout history of little examples like that, but I remember that being the case with the Dark Knight as well. I went to an advanced screening of that, that I won tickets to through MySpace to show how long ago that film came <laughs> out, but uh, they ended up releasing it a day early. So I saw it several days before it had come out. Um, maybe When I say several, it might have only been two days, but the suddenly they uh, released tickets for the day before. If it, I think it came out on like the 18th or something. So and then technically it came out on the seventeenth. Um, I don't know if sessions started in the morning, but I remember it being a significant like, oh, you can see it a day early. And, and and then I started thinking like, oh, is it because demand was so great that they sold out for the opening day? So now they've released more tickets. So those people who got in there first are now disadvantaged because they paid for their tickets before everyone else. Yeah, it, yeah, it's it's a funny thing but of course like that had such a gigantic opening one of the biggest openings ever and it's somewhat manipulated by opening the film earlier than films normally open so it has more yeah. days to make money 
it's all about that manipulation you know it's yeah getting in there so you can make that money um i i, I you'll have to obviously there's a story here um i don't know you must have told it on the previous podcast but you know with this being a new show it's mm. uh it's a place to tell it you have a story about going to a theater and this usher <laughs> I was it one of the uh, I I believe the story involves one of the Star Trek films like a premiere oh, for one of the Star Trek yes. films. Yes. Yes. Um yeah, in, it was 2013. Um it was it was weirdly the day that Iron Man 3 opened. Like, you know, talking about superhero movies and everything. Um my friends and I the cinema that we'll go to it's a it's a well-known cinema here in Sydney. It's in the heart of the central business district. It's We were going to the, I think, maybe the midnight screening of Iron Man 3. And uh, they were going to be showing, as a special attraction, uh, The Avengers, which had come out the year before. And we thought, oh, that'll be fun. Watch The Avengers and then, you know, w- watch the following film. And uh, so we get to the cinema and we just see a giant crowd. Like, What's going on? And they had the world premiere, or maybe it's just the Australian premiere, but they had the premiere of Star Trek Into Darkness going on. <laughs> and, I mean, it was a giant crowd, but I managed to just, like, stand in the middle of the press and was, like, almost face-to-face with Carl Urban at one point. Uh that's how it goes down here, I guess. <laughs> but, uh, you know, they had a red carpet and everything, and it, I think it was, like, uh, Carl Urban, Chris Pine, and Zachary Quinto were there. I think they were... And maybe J.J. Abrams was also there. Uh, and this was around the time that J.J. Abrams had been announced for Star Wars. Right, right. And I remember being about to cross the road, standing at the crossing, and these people were having a conversation next to me, talking about how oh man did you hear that they're gonna cross over star wars and star trek (laughs) they're gonna cross them over okay like and maybe people won't remember this but that was a thing that was discussed online at the time of the likelihood of that because jj abrams was doing both right which now sounds completely ludicrous but you know every major movie has some random rumor at some point especially franchise movies um, look at any one of the Marvel films, and you know, until Captain Marvel, the scrolls were rumored to show up in like ten of them. <laughs> yeah, I mean that, that's kind of the thing is we comic book fans online, uh, past, present, and future, will always just guess whatever hasn't been done yet and what is the most yeah. possible known thing. So until Galactus comes out, you know, Galactus is going to be the the top of people's lists. <laughs> it's why Mephisto yeah. was like mentioned all throughout 2021. It's just yeah. what people know. And, yeah, I guess if that's just like, huh, we don't know what the future holds. Star Trek and Star Wars by same guy? What yeah. the heck? And, of course, like any person who stops and actually thinks about this for five seconds realizes, <laughs> oh, one franchise is owned by one studio, the other is owned by another. They just happen to have someone that works for, you know, in for both. Like, that... That doesn't mean that they're crossing over two giant franchises. Yeah. And also the way to bring back Star Wars by having them cross over with Star Trek. I mean, it's like I said, it's completely ludicrous. But, you know, I remember hearing that and that's just stuck with me. But, uh, yeah, so we go into the cinema. Uh, we, we get our ticket for Avengers. 
print it off uh, and we go to let's say it's cinema three so we go and sit down in cinema three and uh, we're watching the trailers and then Olympus has fallen started and uh, we realize this is not Avengers Aaron Eckhart's in this so <laughs> dead giveaway uh, <laughs> <laughs> so we left and we spoke to an attendant or whatever uh, and we were the only ones who left so we thought oh they've just printed the wrong uh, cinema number or they've changed it since we printed our ticket or something uh, me and my two friends so we're told oh uh, no you're actually in Cinema 12. So we go upstairs and uh, we start opening the door to Cinema 12 and then a security man stops us. Says, what are you doing? He said, ah, uh, we, we're here to see the Avengers. And he goes, you can't go in there. The Star Trek premiere is going on in there. <laughs> and so, I mean, that, that we nearly crashed the uh, Star Trek Into Darkness premiere. Which, like, is hilarious to think of, you know, suddenly the doors open and light comes into the cinema and, like, J.J. Abrams and the Paramount executives and you know, Chris Pine all turn around and see us. Like, the, the light, I mean, just the, the odds of all of that happening is just, is funny to me. Yeah, local um, Australian ruined Star Trek premiere. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, we go back down to the attendant who told us to go to the cinema that the giant premiere was happening in. And uh, suddenly we realize this person is surrounded by other people because everyone else has finally left the session of uh, Olympus Has Fallen. It took them just a minute longer. They it took like... them a minute longer than us, yeah. Uh, maybe they thought it was like an extended preview, I don't, I don't know. But uh, So we, they go, okay, go back into cinema, what did I say originally, cinema 4 or something? Yeah. Go back into there and uh, we'll, we'll show the movie. Okay. So we sit in there and like 15 minutes pass and I had that thought of, have they forgotten that they organized this? <laughs> and then in walks an usher and uh, he walks, like the, the entrance to the cinema is at the back of the, uh, the cinema. So he, he walks down, he walks past every single seat, every single person sitting in there. Not like it was packed like a, you know, a, a big time screening or something but there's enough people in there that every single person is looking at him all the conversations stop because they know we're about to get some news because no usher walks to the front of the cinema to address anyone with good news uh, and he says that sorry everybody uh, we're unable to show the Avengers tonight uh, what we will be doing though is giving you uh, a free pass and uh, if you want to see any session in addition to that free pass, if you want to see any session that's going on today um, that, you, that there are tickets available for, you're more than welcome to go in. So, I mean, look, it, it was shitty that they had organized a screening of something and then forgot about it or screwed it up or whatever, but they at least tried to compensate in a decent manner. So... Uh, they tried. They tried. So we walk up to the... Uh, the usher and uh, at the entrance to the cinema and he's taking everyone's Avengers ticket and then giving them a free pass and uh, I said to him is there any chance I could keep this? just because I, I thought it would be funny to have like a ticket stub for a movie from 2012 with the date of 2013 on it and, and you know because I 
funny story and you know the the Star Trek thing and everything. I just kind of thought it'd be funny to have that memento. And he says, "Nope," and rips it out of my hands. And um, I walk out and I'm saying to my friends, "That was so rude." <laughs> I was just like so offended by this. Um, I mean, it was rude. Like, you know, however many years have passed, um, you know, nine years nearly have passed, and I still remember this, I guess. Yeah, well, it's all the rigmarole that had to go through all this. It's yeah. like, what, what does it matter that you keep this fake ticket, essentially? It's a ticket for... What are you going to do, come back tomorrow? Like, I understand, it's yeah. protocol. The, the man is designed to take a ticket and rip it and whatever. But like they assumed I was. I mean, you're gonna come back and be like I have this ticket. Yeah, here. I guess that's what they assume is like I need a refund because I had a medical procedure yesterday, and it's like I I, I guess, but I don't know. It's a... or I'd come back and say I didn't get my free pass, and they'll go, oh yep, yeah, here's evidence. Yeah, get all, all these free passes. Yeah, so I understand the protocol, but then you just go, nah, sorry, I have to take it because. We can't. Then you just explain it, you know, like a normal person. <laughs> he's a busy night. He's, I'm sure, behind the scenes, J.J. Uh, Abrams or somebody was like a real <laughs> dick to him. You know, <laughs> it's like a it's like a classic sort of TV or movie scenario where like he is like running this place and he's like really excited because th- all this like big celebrity stuff is going to get a lot of business here, yeah. um, but no one's paying him any attention, and so he took it out. <laughs> On this, uh, <laughs> this on young me. Marvel fan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I guess, yeah, big night, big premiere, also, you know, midnight screening of a real big movie. It's a busy night for a, a usually busy cinema anyway. It's stuck with me. It's funny <laughs> the things that, like, vividly you remember. <laughs> well, uh, hopefully they don't forget to show the Batman when I go to the, the IMAX screening there, so. <laughs> hopefully. I can hopefully look forward to to watching that. (laughs) It's funny. I've noticed uh, superhero films, speaking of, have been in the news a little bit recently. Oh, have they? Was it Steven Soderbergh uh, had something to say? So I've watched uh, Soderbergh's new movie, Kimmy, uh, with Zoe Kravitz. uh, That's on HBO Max, and it's only on HBO Max. I think it's, it's, it's exclusive to that. Hmm. Um, and I liked it. I, I enjoyed it. But I think Soderbergh was saying that uh, no one ever has sex in those superhero movies. <laughs> there's there's no fucking, is what he said, specifically. <laughs> that there's a world with no fucking. He doesn't know how to direct people in that world, per se. This is actually something that I think is kind of interesting, though. <laughs> so, in The Dark Knight Rises, okay. is Talia the first person that that Bruce Wayne had sex with? Right. This is an old con- this this conversation at this point is nearly a decade old. Yes, like this year, later this summer, it'll be a decade old conversation that, that people true. have been having yeah. about this Bruce Wayne. Because obviously, yeah, it's Bruce leaves to do God knows what. You know, maybe he got a little lonely being a, a criminal in China. Who knows? Mm. Um, and obviously, he had eyes for Rachel Dawes, so he feel he's pretty fixated on that even though he walked around with beautiful women and uh stole uh ballet dancers and whatnot uh alfred as we know 
was the the one involved in that situation, not Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne was faking it <laughs> so that he could uh, get on a. Alfred had sex with all the ballerinas. He could get on a plane. Yeah, because you know he he says, and this is sort of digging into the the psychosis of these Batman characters. He mentions, you know, what is the the words for put on your own bloody sunscreen? Mm. But you notice Alfred smiles very like. Uh, sort of like a jo- joyfully, you know, he's he's a he's a bit of a of a of a whimsical man that Alfred Pennyworth, and you see him after that go towards the women, and they're giggling, and he seems happy, and uh, who knows, you know, maybe according to the Pennyworth TV show that is canonical to the DC universe in some shape or form, we know he fucks in that. So could this Alfred have fucked a boatload of women? Yeah, that. That, Possibly. That Pennyworth show has Alfred have sex with the Queen. Yes. So if, if Alfred <laughs> could have sex with the Queen, I don't see how Alfred could. So Batman definitely lost his virginity at, uh, to Talia al Ghul in front of a fireplace while Alfred was not present. It took Alfred getting out of the house mm. in order for Bruce Wayne to finally get some. And that's just the truth. So, <laughs> so Bruce, in, in Batman Begins, he turns 30. Like that's his, it's his thirtieth birthday party. Yes, uh, and he's he was gone seven years, so he was twenty three when he ran away. Like he was away at uh, at college. You don't think he was too angry? You know, like because is that he... like is that the thing? Is he like so angry that he doesn't have sex ever? Is that like? Do you think that's literally it's possible? The thing? Hmm. I imagine from the ages of what ten to twenty three, he was working up the courage to buy a gun. Mm. And then he did. That was his whole life. <laughs> so when he says, yeah, he... I, you know, we, what, what college does he say he goes to? Is it Princeton or something? Uh, I, I just know that he, he talks about, you know, he doesn't talk about it fondly. I like it fine. They just don't feel the same way. Yeah, because they want, they want sex and he doesn't. He wants gun they... to kill Joe Chill. <laughs> <laughs> okay. If we actually look at this through some of the other Batmans, you know, there's that random woman that Ben Affleck wakes up with. Yeah. In Batman vs. Superman. Uh, Kilmer, you got to assume that his Bruce and Nicole Kidman, Chase Meridian, they eventually... Maybe that's why they broke up. And that's why she's not in Batman and Robin. <laughs> you know, with, with Keaton, I can't help, and especially in terms of going down on a, on a woman... In my head, I picture it like the scene in which he's trying to tell Vicky Vale that he's Batman. Like, I imagine Keaton <laughs> pacing back and it. forth. He's like, you know, he's doing stuff with his hands and he's like, you know, starting sentences over. Like, that's it. And meanwhile, Catwoman's just like sitting on the bed, you know, ready. Mm. Uh, and he's like pacing back and forth and like looking back at it and then keeps walking. And I, I imagine that's what he was like. Because Keaton Bruce Wayne is so eccentric and dorky yes you know i guess i don't know how you would describe him he's not suave in any way and that's why he's charming i you know i'm not knocking his bruce wayne it's different but in hindsight that's a that's a good thing Mm -hmm. uh but he's not like a a suave sort of like billionaire people don't even know who he looks like they make fun of him to his face because they don't know who bruce wayne like what his face is so i can't imagine behind the scenes he's any less dorky because that batman is too tortured by you know the ghosts of his past uh val kilmer was very sexy yes both in and out of costume so 
That that voice, I can't imagine him not having sex. And meanwhile, George Clooney Batman, I think, was probably having the most sex. Oh, that's interesting. I thought he was... I was going to say he was having the least. No, because he didn't care about being Batman. You notice how he was, like, really carefree as Batman? That's true. So unless he was fucking women but wanted to be with, like, you know, legal age Dick Grayson, that's the only explanation there. Because he's so... You know, he's, he's just sort of there he's because the the Val Kilmer Batman had that tortured sort of feeling to him but it's like a sexy tortured um which is why he smiles whenever he realizes he's gonna get laid that night but (laughs) that was what the smile was for I think so (laughs) (laughs) it's not because look that he's because he's she says that she loves Bruce Wayne and that means that because he can't have sex in the bat suit that's impractical so he wants to, you know, he's good. It's good news that Bruce Wayne doesn't have to wear a rubber head in order to have sex tonight. <laughs> it varies. Okay, let's let's take a sidebar real quick since we're talking about Batman. Have you seen this thing that I feel like is is maybe it's just younger people? This is always my assumption. I don't know about you guys on Twitter, but my assumption always is when I see someone with a with a certain kind of take, I either assume that they're young because I I realize now I'm getting older. So yeah. younger people will be online. That is a fact. Yes. Or they're weird. And so, like, there's this, <laughs> there's these people that, like, they have firm grasps on what they believe is their characters. And so, like, they'll, there's always that common thing of, like, what take got you like this? Insert clip of Idris Elba on the Hot Ones or something. And right. so I, I see a lot of people bitch about, like, if Batman is the real person or Bruce Wayne is the real person or which yeah, is yeah. the mask kind of conversation. And it's so weird to have such a definitive take on that. Cause it's like, well, it depends, doesn't it? Like we haven't seen this new film obviously, but it seems like that's going to be kind of the point of the film is that he's totally Batman. But by the end of it, he'll come out as Bruce Wayne. Like then once again, haven't seen the yeah. film. Could be totally wrong, but all the vibes from the interviews and the trailers, that seems like what it is. It's it's going to be him coming to terms with Bruce Wayne, going back to Val Kilmer. That's the whole ending of the film. Yes, <laughs> That's the climax exactly. with the villain is, you know, not because I have to be. No, now because I choose to be. Like, so they hear these people be like, this is it's definitive. I hate when people say that Batman is a true identity. It's like, well, it all depends on the version, the, yeah, the point in his life. Like, that's such a naive thing to say because he's a character that's existed for almost a century now. And it all depends on when you're taking on that character and what you're wanting to do with them. So I, I, I don't I was... know if people see that, but I see it all the time. And it pisses me off. Yeah, it pisses me off. Yeah, I was just thinking with, with Kilmer because I guess I my, my immediate reaction was, Oh, uh, his Batman is probably more closer to the real personality, but uh, when I think about it, because you know, obviously, like a big thing with his Bruce Wayne is that he's a socialite, and you know, gossip Gertie, uh, Bill Kane's wife, is always asking him <laughs> about like when are you going to get married, and uh, you know, all this nonsense. But in reality, like the the real version of him is like seen constantly by dr meridian like there's that moment when he's in her office and uh he's looking at the dream catcher which just looks like two-face 
And, uh, <laughs> you know, that's what should have been the follow-up line because he says the got a thing for bats. You should got a thing for Two Face, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she says that he's not exactly what he seems. So obviously, his Bruce Wayne puts up an act for the public, but Chase sees a real version of him, and that's part of why she falls in love with him, and that's why Batman Forever is a great fucking movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's cool. To, I mean. Uh... We, we live in that age of, of people trying to come out and be like, you know what? No, the movie I like has always been good. Shut the fuck up. Yes. Um, we're seeing that a lot with the Garfield Spider-Man films right now. Oh, but I, God. Yeah. We, <laughs> we've been on the, the forever train for quite some time. You know, yeah. this is something that you and I have really uh, sort of campaigned for for a bit, even before all the release, the Schumacher cut and all that yeah. kind of stuff is – is there's a lot to really love about Batman Forever, and there's more of that online now. You know, there's... I haven't watched the video, but I saw something along the lines of, like, Batman Forever has all of the best and worst things of Batman on film. And, like, I can <laughs> see what they mean. You know, it's got yeah. all the psychological stuff that re- we really like. It's got a sort of an interesting visual style. and But there's also a bunch of, like, goofy shit, and Robin does kung fu with wet clothes, and, like... Yeah. Two Face is probably not what people think of when they think of yeah, the character. Yeah, he's just a laughing maniac. Yeah. So like, yeah, there's there's some validity to it, and to to think that um, anyone can kind of just like ignore that era of Batman is like ah, that's that's does a real injustice to the character's history. It's Batman Forever is such a pivotal point in the cinematic language of the character, mm-hmm. and you know nowadays where. Uh, with like today's cast of of people in the new Batman movie who can grow up on both like the Burton films, but also like the Bale films, it's so weird that we're reaching that point now. You know that we've got a Batman that it's not totally like weird to think of like oh he may have watched Batman the animated series when he was younger because he's not <laughs> that old. <laughs> yeah, and it's funny to me each. I was going to say generation, I guess it's each generation, has the new interpretation of the darker Batman that makes the previous Batman look look not so dark. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, when the Keaton Batman came out, that was absolutely seen as, oh, finally, dark Batman. Yeah, because what the public had seen prior to that is essentially just the Adam West show. And then, obviously, like, the Nolan films come along and they make Batman 89 and Batman Returns look really goofy like you know the joker dancing around to prince and you know penguin saying just the pussy i've been looking for and all this stuff like that seems really (laughs) really silly in comparison to the dark knight and then you have this new uh robert pattinson batman and obviously we have not seen the film yet but that seems to be a lot sort of grimier if you know both literally and tonally um than what Nolan had done. Like, Nolan's Batman now seems a lot more sort of clean as compared yeah. to what this one does. And, it, like, part of it is the... what the influence was on each of the films. Like, Nolan was clearly influenced by Michael Mann and Heat, specifically. Uh, and this is inspired by Fincher and Seven and uh, Zodiac, uh, Zodiac, things like that, so... which is a lot grimier than... Uh, a Michael Mann film, a typical Michael Mann film. So yeah, it's interesting to me how each 
time we get like the new dark Batman, it does make the previous Batman look not as dark. It's funny to me. Yeah, exactly. Um, this is sort of a thought, and yeah, it, it's fun. Last time we talked about the fan dome, and we're just going to keep t- talking about DC stuff because DC is still relevant, which is a, a good thing, I would argue. Um, I was thinking about this a little bit today, and there's a deeper conversation here, but I just want to kind of bring up the the idea of it. Obviously, with the current state of like Warner Brothers in DC, there's a lot of uh, need from like the Snyder fans to sort of uh, reject anything current DC that doesn't line up with what they're interested in. Yeah. And you know, if you don't want to see the new Flash movie, that's fine. You know that that's okay. Um, but and and this has become like a sort of a a difficult thing to talk about because both sides are doing it. You know, I, I see people that are excited for the new Batman movie. All they do is shit on the old, you know, the Ben Affleck era Batman. When there's a lot to like about the Ben Affleck Batman, you know, especially in in BVS in terms of the Bruce Wayne character and what he he does with it. So I guess the the ultimate question here is tonally, not story, but tonally. If they were to have done a Batman movie with Ben Affleck that totally looks like this Batman movie, would you not be excited for it? And for me, the answer is like, yeah, yeah, like this, this is a Batman movie that I want to see. Obviously, they're going with something very specific. Like I said, this year two idea, very grounded, this serial killer Riddler, very specific. But in terms of like a dark, gritty detective Batman I don't love it just because it's not Ben Affleck or that it's not in the Snyderverse. <laughs> yeah. I like it because that's Batman. So if they had done, you know, a movie like that with Ben Affleck, it's like I, I would be interested as well if it looked as good as this. That's fine because I like the character. <laughs> I'm not yeah. addicted to one particular actor or another. I, I like Batman, and this looks like a Batman movie. So my guy, that's the sort of question to you: Is do you think you'd be excited for this if this was instead of Year Two? year 22 with Ben Affleck Batman. Um, I guess I would. I I suppose my fear is because so much of the Ben Affleck Batman gets kind of ruined by how he's kind of a heartless murderer as well. <laughs> um, and I just don't care for that version of Batman, whereas this Batman that Pattinson's playing clearly, you know, he might kill somebody in this movie. I don't know that for sure that he won't, but that is clearly going to be part of the character. Um, you know, the effects of that, at least, if he were to. So, um, yeah, I guess, I don't know. I, I don't know if I'd be as excited, truthfully. And part of my worry with anything set in this uh, DC universe that Snyder started is that we're going to get references to other stuff. And I just don't care about any of that. So, um, truthfully, I would not be as excited. I think because this is a a wholly original, self-contained take, I'm significantly more excited than I would be if this was just part of the DC EU, whatever they called it. Um, I guess it was never officially called that. But yeah, that's that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Um, But I mean, I would be excited for it. Like, definitely. Like, I was technically excited for Batman versus Superman. Um, even though Man of Steel <laughs> was what it was. Yeah, like, because I, I was really keen to see that version of Batman and what Affleck was going to do. Um, you know, unfortunately he looked like Bat-Thumb, but... 
True. Um, I, I guess in, in terms of the stuff that is connected, I we alluded to it earlier, but DC recently released uh, sort of a, a year trailer. It's a minute of footage for the new films coming out this year, which is weird because I think Aquaman is set for December, but yeah. I think Batwoman is... They're not Batwoman, sorry. Batgirl is still scheduled for this year, even though they're still filming. And yeah. obviously they're still filming so they, they can't show anything but it's it's funny that Aquaman's scheduled for the end of the year but Batgirl's somewhere in there but they didn't show anything for Batgirl because they can't <laughs> they, they can't and it's also not a cinema release it's just an HBO Max one so yeah I, I guess this was which again kind of uh, hurts the uh, HBO Max marketing strategy of saying that this is below these films but i i think it was more a, a trailer because I, I assume it's got something to do with the super bowl this one minute spot that they put together yeah they they did the super bowl for like a few years now has been doing this thing where they just release the ads before the super bowl which is yeah. like what's the point of the tuning into this like obviously for the game but if you're trying to get eyes on your ads why would i wait through the super bowl to watch your ad like this is completely off the beaten path, but they did some sort of cringy, like, Austin Powers, like, yeah. commercial. Did you see that? I, I did. And, it, I mean, I just have to wonder what the expense is to make this, like, just to reference an old movie. Because Mike Myers did this a couple of years ago, like, with Wayne's World as well. There was a Wayne's World-themed yeah. um, uh, Super Bowl ad. Obviously, the Super Bowl ads are a big deal, and they get big budgets, you know, more so than other ad campaigns would get. But to recreate a movie, you have to pay for the rights to the characters, I would imagine, to borrow them. Um, you've got to pay for all of the actors. You, you know, you've got to get set decorators and costume people, and so expensive for a 30-second joke. Yeah. Do you remember the product at the end of it, or do you just go like, oh, it was, it was fun seeing characters from a movie I remember again? Because I, I don't remember the product. No, I just I think it's some sort of car commercial. No idea. I just remember the fact that it's Austin Powers, and um, I was a big fan of Austin Powers back uh, in the day. I still am, mm -hmm. but I was a much bigger fan back in like high school. Yeah. Um, and I just thought this was so cringy. Um, mm -hmm. It was just like I get why they do it, but like anytime they said like a specific line, like they did the whole because uh, it's for those of you who haven't seen it. It's uh, just a handful of characters: Doctor Evil, Frau, Scott, and Number Two. Although it's it's uh, Rob Lowe, Number Two, if I remember correctly. I watched this on my phone on Twitter. Rob Lowe was young, Number Two, when they went back to the past and the spy who shagged me. This is bullshit. But like he's like they would say like specific lines, and it annoyed me because it's like I know the fucking lines. You don't have to quote them at me in a stupid commercial. And this is lame. It just came off as lame, and I hate it. I, this is gross. This is gross. Yeah. I don't like it. <laughs> there was a time where I would watch all of the Super Bowl commercials because I was just curious of what gets put together because, again, they get giant budgets that, you know, other ad campaigns wouldn't normally get. And I also hear of products I never hear of otherwise, not just because I live in another country, but avocados from Mexico. Oh, like, avocados from Mexico. Yeah. Exactly. Like, I have no fucking clue. I mean, I know what they are, clearly. It's <laughs> well, self-explanatory. It's, it's in the name, buddy. <laughs> they get advertised, or at least used to, get advertised every Super Bowl with a big budget commercial, or a bigger budget commercial. And 
I used to think like, is this just where they spend their money? Because even when I lived in America, like I, I never saw commercials for them ever. Do they just save it for the Super Bowl? Yeah, um, yeah. It, I mean, it's always been a like a, a meme thing. Like Doritos mm-hmm. were a big meme there for a while. Yeah, and well, then... Doritos used to get people to create like a competition. People would create yeah. commercials to get put on this, like in the ad breaks. So that's that's different. That's cool. Yeah, and so that was something to talk about. And then yeah, the other stuff is just movie stuff. And uh, I know there's rumors that we're going to see some Marvel stuff this year, like a Doctor Strange and maybe Moon Knight or something. And then. Um, we obviously got this this DC thing. That was our first look at a, a few movies, like actual footage, not just concept art or behind-the-scenes stuff like at the fandom. And uh, I guess the big thing that came out of it was all the Black Adam footage. We got our first looks at all the, the Justice Society members and Black Adam himself. We hadn't seen an official look at Black Adam until this fucking one-minute... Uh, trailer showing off like three other movies so jesus i guess not <laughs> it's gonna, the hierarchy of whatever the fuck is gonna change or something yeah alongside two other films and the <laughs> gonna come out yeah i i mean i don't mean to be mean-spirited here but i don't give two shits about black adam <laughs> if you're excited for it good for you I just, it's not my thing yeah, and it, it, it was just a bunch of a bunch of stuff. It's just weird that like this is how they're getting this information out there. Like I feel like there used to be a, a system to this where we'd get like a look at a costume, and then we'd get like a trailer, and then we'd go from there. But now it's like God knows what happens anymore. We'll get a bunch of leaked photos, and then we'll get a trailer at some point, at some point in time, and it's like. I... I swear there used to be a proper way to execute this stuff. Like you, you think back to like the amazing spider-man right you get that first image of him and it's him with the the backpack and he's got the 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 scratches on his chest and he's looking down and you're like boom first look at the suit and you're like okay i'm looking at it i can see (laughs) andrew garfield in the suit perfect here it's like oh watch this like featurette to see five seconds of a suit and it's like release a proper you're a studio like, just release a proper image of these people and their goddamn... You have places where you can take photos. You have cameras. I know you do. Just promote the thing. Like, why is it always got to be this thing of like, oh, yeah, uh, we'll just... You'll get a glimpse of it in a in a trailer. Well, we've all seen it. We mentioned last time about how Supergirl is in the Flash movie. And how mm-hmm. uh, they haven't officially revealed her outfit, but they showed fan art during the one of the, you know, the intermissions on the fandom so it's like you know we know what it looks like why can you not release like just an image of her get her you, I, we, we watch wrestling <laughs> and wrestlers I feel like yes. take photos in a professional like lit backdrop thing every freaking week and so you get these photos anytime there's a tile change or just for fun you get shots done and they look great just fucking put him in front of a gray backdrop take him to a school where they're doing yearbook photos i don't care do something why do we never get like just appropriate looking shots of these costumes anymore i'm so confused i think i know the reason why because an out of context image of a character generally opens up 
to criticism a lot easier than a quick shot of somebody within the context of a trailer or a commercial would people have gone as crazy as they did about how bad Jared Leto looked as the Joker if the first time you saw him was in the context of the trailer for Suicide Squad that horrible image they released of him <laughs> um, which showed off the damaged tattoo and the random purple glove and all of that well then do it good and then, then if you have a good design first of all Mr. Leto <laughs> And then secondly, make it appropriate. You, you Black Adam, he's going to be set in, like, Egypt or whatever. Just go find a place with some crumpled up rocks and some dust and some dirt and take a cool atmospheric photo then. That's fine. Just take a photo. That's all That's all I'm asking. Okay, it, it, all right, fine. It doesn't have to be in the front of a yearbook backdrop. It's okay. <laughs> then just put it somewhere, you know? Go to a fucking water park and take a picture of Aquaman. Go to the gym, at the treadmills, take a picture of the Flash. I don't care. Just just do something, okay? Hey, you know what they did for the Batman? What they, did they do? They fucking released footage that was atmospheric and teased the tone, the suit, the music, everything. <laughs> do that. <laughs> I mean... Why is that hard? I, I don't disagree. Zack Snyder uh, did it. Remember when he released the picture of Ben Affleck next to the Batmobile? It was great. That's true. He, he well, could do it. <laughs> that numbskull. Um, <laughs> yeah, look, I, I, I don't disagree. I, I guess uh, maybe this way creates more chatter online because, uh, I don't know, maybe like some marketing whatever has probably told them to do it this way. They wouldn't be doing this at random. So maybe it's because they think, <laughs> oh, the activity is up uh, 200% on Twitter if you just, uh, if you don't release an image beforehand of Dr. Fate. Like, maybe that's all it is. I don't know. I don't know what it is. They wouldn't be doing this for no reason. There must be a reason. Someone's told them to do it. Aquaman, right? Didn't James Wan post a picture of Aquaman's uh, navy blue outfit? Did he? I think he did. I'm just saying. I'm just saying, well, guys. Give me a little something. And, you know, if you're worried about the costume looking weird, then you shouldn't have made it look weird. You know? Like, you, you don't want Flash's weird new cowl where the the sides of the helmet look like his face is, like, trapped in a square. Then you shouldn't have made it look like his face was trapped in a square from the beginning. That's not my fault. That's that's the costume designer. Uh, but, yeah, I, I love the... I guess while we're on, I love the Pattinson outfit so much like i know some people have an issue with it especially since like the athletic one like felt like a big muscular spandex outfit you know um we've we've talked about that suit before uh he, he kind of looks a, it's a bit too puffy coat for my taste and i've always hated the sort of uh dark knight returns big fat bat symbol um i always loved seeing the the, the bat signal with the the ben affleck batman logo because i'm like how are you seeing that in the sky that's just yeah, gonna be a brick like a... yeah yeah it doesn't look like a distinctive symbol it's just a big blotch in the sky yeah so while this patent it's clearly low tech you know he's got you know 90s buckles and pouches and all sorts of stuff and armor plating and uh but the cowl is great i love the the stitched look and i love how exposed his 
his jaw looks like he looks like Batman from every angle. You know, there's no awkward like oh, I'm trapped in a suit look with him. He looks like he can move, and yeah. uh, I love it. Oh, I just love it. I love it so much. He looks like he can actually turn his head. I mean, I, there will be always be people who complain about the cowl not having a big thick neck. Like a panther. <laughs> I was about to say, um, like a what? <laughs> like a like panther. Like a panther. Uh, but, you know, so like the Dark Knight suit and this suit, it, it does give him sort of a skinny neck, but I much prefer that because it, that's what someone who, you know, should be able to fight everyone from all sides looks like. I mean, it, I know people love how Keaton looks in his suit, but he, that man just looks like he can hardly move, which is the reality of it. No, it's it's true. What what would you say? Let's let's take out the Pattinson suit because we haven't seen it fully in, in a movie yet. What would you say is your favorite bat suit out of the live action one so far? It's a toss up for me, and this ju- this does go against what I was just talking about. But I do love the <laughs> Batman Begins suit um, mm-hmm. because I. I, I think it looks the best as a suit, if that makes sense. Um, just the the symbol right. stretched across the chest, and um, like it doesn't give him the fake abs, but it does have like a core outline of you know around the abs and whatever. Like I just think that suit looks the best, um, and I like I've always liked the utility belt of those movies. Yeah, uh, yeah. But I I really like the suit at the end of Batman Forever. Uh, the sonar suit. It's silver, which isn't <laughs> my sort of thing. But um, but it's like a silverly it, blue, you know? Like, there's a hint of doing the blue Batman in there, but it definitely isn't. It's more silver. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just think it looks cool. Like, that looks like a suit that Batman might wear for, like, the big, you know, boss battle, the big test at the end, which is exactly what they did in that film. He wears two suits. He wears his regular suit and then he has a sonar suit that the but you haven't tested it yet you know so there's a they give a reason for him having a different suit unlike in batman and robin when he like i mean there's a reason he wears an ice <laughs> thermal suit but why but it's he the same suit that. it's it's yeah. the same suit but with silver highlights on it i've come to love the dark knight suit and i think they perfected it in rises the head doesn't look as big like, in, in the interrogation scene with Batman and Joker, like, he just looks like he has a giant head. And <laughs> you, can, you can't truly see his eyes. You just see a slight glint. So it looks like he has uh, eyes like that one character in the J.J. The Abrams Star Trek, to bring it back around. Um, oh, the little stick eyes? The little stick eyes. It looks like he has little stick eyes to me. It's always looked like that to me. <laughs> um just a black void and just two little shiny dots are in there but uh, I think it looks better in Rises for what it's worth what about you? well um, I've already dissed the uh, Affleck suits I think it's it's hard because like there's things I like better about Affleck's suit in Justice League but there's also things I don't where he has like little patches on that suit like, he's got patches on, like, where his abs are, and just, yeah. like, random squares on, like, the arms, and I don't really like... But I think the cowl looks better in the that film than the the other one. Mm-hmm. Um, 
yeah, I love the Begins suit more than the... I. For me, the, the problem with the Dark Knight suit, while I think it totally fits for the film, I've always hated what it does to the logo. I hate that, like, even oh, though they finally... Oh, it indents? Yeah, like, you can't yeah. see it. That's that's a that's a problem for me, is that you don't see the Bat logo. I mean, it's always kind of been weird that the Begins movie doesn't have the, the logo on the chest that is the logo of the film. Yeah. Um, but you could argue that Keaton's Batman also technically has that problem because the yes. logo on his suit is not the logo for the movie that would then go on to be used in returns. So that has never made any sense to me. Like why why does the that the it has that little like it comes out into a spike the the bottom of the symbol on his suit. But that is not what's all throughout the marketing campaign. Like yeah. that poster is iconic. Why I, that's just—it's never made sense to me. I don't get it. Yeah, it's—it's it's weird. It's weird. I the 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 Keaton suit, the first one. I know it's everyone's favorite. It's iconic. I I will always think that the return suit is just a an improvement on the '89 suit. So I prefer the return suit. It's sleeker. It's cleaner. It doesn't have the rubber muscle problem because they went for a Art Deco motif and. Hmm. I, I I prefer that the logo overall as well. It's just a lot more yeah. clean. But begins, I guess, has to be my favorite. Um, it just it it feels more appropriate for what he's going for. It has that clear League of Shadows influence, as mm-hmm. well as the idea that he's applying those teachings into becoming this symbol, and the fact that we see everything that goes into it in terms of you know what pieces go where why he has it and the cape and everything um this is one of the very few times where he doesn't have the sort of like sleek cape where it looks more like just dark cloth as opposed to that that shiny sort of vinyl finish on it mm-hmm. which is which is weird um so I, i've always kind of liked the nolan uh films for the having that on there um i i i, I yeah i guess it begins is my favorite I, I like the forever suits quite a bit. I'm not as big of a fan as the sonar suit as you are. I like it mm-hmm. in the film, but it's not like one of my my favorites, I'd say. And then I think conceptually, not for a general suit, but conceptually, I don't know. Something about the black on black for the Clooney logo is kind of neat. Like, if that suit didn't have the nipples, people would love that suit. You know, because it's, <laughs> it's just like a, 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 a trimmed down, cleaned up, Keaton Batman suit like it's just a black Batman suit with the the circle logo and it has like a new cape system where it clips in which is a little weird I don't think I like that but something about like a black logo like the oval logo but without the yellow entirely is a little weird and I kind of like it just for a stylistic choice but it's weird I will say that (laughs) and it doesn't fit the character at all when you think about it like he should be the brightest of Batman and he's got the most blackest of outfits. Well, see, to me, his suit is blue. It's a shinier blue, yeah. It's but a, it's, his, his it's... suit is really shiny blue, whereas to me, the sonar suit is just straight up silver. Right. <laughs> like, but I mean, then yeah, funny looking at image here of the uh, uh, the 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 suit he wears at the end. Yeah, it's got all those random patches of silver everywhere. He does. It is a different suit because it, the logo stretches across the chest. Um, in that second suit, which I does it? It's does it not on the like? Because the 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 
art, Arctic suit, whatever you want to call it, at the end of Batman yeah. Robin is the sonar suit, but silver. With silver highlights, yeah, the, I should say. Sorry, I see what you're saying. Yeah, that's the silver. The, yeah, yeah, it's the sonar suit, just just with stupid white patches all over it. So, uh, so how do you feel about like the sonar suit's cowl? Because it's got all that extra <laughs> detail on it. The extra detail on the ears. Yeah, I've I've always been fine with that because I think again, like in black, I think that stuff looks okay. It looks like a kind of a high tech Batman suit, which I think is why I like it. If it's meant to be a different suit that has a specific purpose, I'm okay with it having a different design. I probably wouldn't... Like, if I was making a Batman movie, I probably wouldn't put all of that shit all over the years. But um, I think if the idea was... Uh, it creates, like, a sonar technology, and it's... It's it's a technology suit, so I like it in that respect. Right. Um, man, yeah, again, I'm looking at more images of Clooney... Gosh, there are images where his suit just looks straight up black. You're right. I'm so confused. It depends on the light, <laughs> I guess. It really does. And, like, that's a, a, a movie with a lot of neon lighting going on. And then you also have to take into account the marketing. Like, if you look at the marketing, it's a lot more of a... It's, it's like a highlight blue. It's like how in cartoons where it'd be like... The Joker's hair looks black with green highlights because they don't want to make his hair bright green bright green yeah so it's kind of similar to something like that um but it all varies it all varies like because there's art that depicts the robin suit as black and red but if you look at it it's blue and red in certain shots (laughs) at least and toys yeah that that's funny yeah i'm i'm actually i feel like i've been living a lie. I'm looking at this now, and like, it, I've always just thought of Batman's suit in that movie as blue. But there are just shots here where it just looks straight up black. That's, huh? There you go. I mean, it's kind of like uh, my mind was blown that one time. I think you and I were doing like a Q and A or something, and someone. I'm wondering if it was you, T. Hamill. Someone asked me what color <laughs> um, Spider-Man 2099's suit right, is. Right, right. I was like, it's blue. And then I was told it was black. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> and Because, it, yeah, that's the idea. It's black, but, you know, to highlight it, to, to give it some definition um, and shading, they, you know, made it, gave it blue shading. Yeah, it's like Venom, you know? Like, like Venom, Venom yeah. is blue. Uh, but, and then, like, in the Ultimate comic books, they made them purple, which, honestly, I, I think should come back in some shape or form. Purple Venom looks really cool in those books. <laughs> but... It, it all it all varies and then of course comic book logic changes when you go to animation versus live action versus all, any of that kind of stuff so you never know what something is intended until it, it sort of it gets cemented in like oh okay that's what it is when you see it in person I guess yeah because I, mean, I mean the 2099 suit like there's it's like in the first couple of issues he straight up calls it black which I guess just didn't register with me when I was reading it because um, that I think because I mean since then like every single thing that he's ever appeared in whether it's like merchandising or other comic books or animation or whatever it's he's definitely blue and red yeah for sure including this new movie <laughs> yeah uh, uh, spider verse that's that's so weird to think that we've got so many stupid movies coming out this year like stupid movies yeah we like because of everything going on in the world these past couple years have been kind of 
vacant. Even though, 2021, I did see quite a bit of films, you know? Uh, there's, there's, There was some good stuff that came out last year. Uh, I had a lot of films that I loved. Very few yeah. of them were nominated for anything, but I I had a lot that I loved. <laughs> but like looking into this year, it's like now we're finally back to it being dominated by all of these big, loud, stupid films. Um, I it, forgive me if we made the comment on here or before we were talking, but like Marvel had several films last year, and I, other than Spider Man, of course, none of them have really stuck with me in any major way. And I mean, if you yeah. loved Eternals or Shang Chi, more power to you, but. Like, I saw Shang-Chi, enjoyed it, and I didn't think about it since. And then I didn't see Eternals, and Black Widow happened, but, you know, people have their own opinions on Black Widow. It's it's just a Marvel movie that I think gets swept up in this big idea of, like, oh, it's, it's Black Widow, it should have been important. And it's like, it's, <laughs> it's just a Marvel movie, guys. <laughs> yeah, I think, if anything, the uh, shows were the big talking point this year uh, that they made. Yeah, Spider-Man was a really big deal, and I don't think it should have been nominated for Best Picture. In some ways, I, I do understand the idea of maybe it should be thrown <laughs> a bone by the High and Mighty Academy, since it kind of saved cinemas a little bit last year. Uh, but in terms of like excellence in filmmaking, it's lucky to get the nomination that it got. So, that's my I point. mean, out of the films I saw, it didn't make my top five. That's... That's and I liked No Way Didn't Home. Make my... I did. Yeah, yeah. I, I, what, what? How many films did I? Because so, uh, we'll do our plugs for our social medias or whatever at the end. But we're both on uh, Letterboxd, um, and I don't do top tens because I generally have more than ten films that I like in a year. So, what I do now is I just uh, list my favorites. Doesn't matter how many there were, and yeah, right now I have sixteen films. Uh, Spider-Man's not on there. That's just my <laughs> feeling. In, in terms of, uh, you know, moments um, in film in the year, like, yes, you know, th- there are moments in No Way Home that, that make that list. Um, you know, I think both Toby and Andrew were great, and uh, Defoe was great, but... Uh, no one's saying it's not culturally significant. Yeah. It's just saying that as a movie, a movie, it's, n- it's not one of the best movies that's that's all it's saying. That's really it. Well, let's let's see let's see real, real quick. I wanna I wanna go over some stuff on on Letterbox. I think we're gonna be wrapping up here soon. But sure. Uh, let's let's talk about some films. Um, looking at my list because if you go to my my Letterbox, Anthony Lantern, um, I do a sort of just a ranking because I don't see 500 movies like my my friend Kirk here. I just see a few. <laughs> And I only mark the films that, that came out this year, even though I kind of broke my rule because I saw some films this past couple weeks. But looking at this list of the films that I saw, only two films I saw last year I truly hated. Everything else I was either okay with, liked, or loved. Like, there were, mm-hmm. there's only two films. So that's pretty impressive, all things considered. Out of the 24 that I had listed here, two of them I never, ever, ever ever want to watch again can you can you guess what those two films are kirk well one of them uh you watched with me was no sweet home fuck what's it called home sweet home alone gnome no sweet way home, home alone. a gnome <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 fuck that movie that movie sucked we did watch that together go check out our commentary video for it on kirk's yeah. channel uh what was the other one it was a warner brothers film 
Oh, um, uh, the video game one. Mortal Kombat. <laughs> yes, I despised Mortal Kombat. I thought that movie sucked uh, so, so fucking bad. The fact that it's getting a sequel is oh, insane to me. And listen here. This is, this is, I hope you guys like me ranting about stuff because this is the only place I get to do it. If I see any of you morons out there saying that The Miz, a 50-year-old loser, should be playing uh, anyone <laughs> in these movies... I will rain hellfire upon you. I will send in detectives. I will send in police. I will send everything into my power. Don't be saying that shit. I don't want to hear anything about a Mortal Kombat sequel. And I don't want The Miz in it. Even if I'm seeing it or not. It's as simple as that. Well, those, That was like only just like two films last year. There's Like I said, there's other films that I was like, eh. You know. But those in particular. <laughs> Well, what I normally do on uh, my account is uh, I do rank the films that I see throughout the year, but when I reached uh, the end of the year, I had almost 100 films. And then it becomes really hard to, like, what is truly the difference between ranking number 86 and 87? Or 41 and 42? Like, is there a real big distinction? So what I do from there is it's, it's a good tool to keep throughout the year, but then at the end of the year, I just like get rid of everything except for the ones that I really liked. So generally things that I rate four stars or above, I consider my favorites of the year. There are other good films in the year. Spider-Man was, a, I thought that was a good film. It, it wasn't one of my, I didn't rate it as highly as other films though. So, uh, but if I have a look at uh, some films from last year that I truly hated. Uh, ooh, yeah, Space Jam 2, that was bad. Oh, right. I didn't see Space Jam 2. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, it, it's not as bad as Home Sweet Home Alone, but in some ways, this was my least favorite movie of the year. Free Guy. All right, yeah, that. See, th- those are two back-to-back films that people will fight you on because it's like, oh, those are just turn off your brain and enjoy them. Fuck's like, I, I want to enjoy a movie. You know, like I, I agree. Listen, guys, full disclosure, I liked the Snake Eyes movie. I'm not saying it's good, <laughs> but I liked it. I sure. put that higher above all the Marvel films last year. Oh, my God. All of them. So, you know, it's okay. But when there are films that are so low to the ground, you, you just can't. You know, you just can't act as if, like, oh, I liked that, you know, two-hour commercial. <laughs> Why? Yeah. There are better bad films out there to enjoy. The Voyeurs, that, that movie with the girl that is in that show with Zendaya, uh, Euphoria. What? What's yeah, that people talk about that show. I don't know what it is, but I see people talk about it a lot. I know what it is. I have no interest. <laughs> Sydney Sweeney, she's in this. Also, the the guy from uh, Detective Pikachu. Speaking of great video game movies, Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> Justice Smith. Oh, right. So I described this as rear window for horny dummies. Ooh. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. Right, this movie. Okay, right. Uh, I hated that. Yeah, I saw a bunch of bad movies. But I saw a lot of good ones. So. <laughs> I Normally I would rather talk about the good movies, but sometimes it's more fun pointing out crap. There's a lot of crap. But you know what? You're you're right. We did see some, some good movies. Um, it feels like 
so long ago because it was, and it was last year's Oscars, but uh, Judas and the Black Messiah came out 2021. Mm, that, yeah, was that was a great. fantastic film. Um, and then some more recent stuff. Nightmare Alley, I thought was totally great. I, I, uh, Garamel's become one of those directors as he becomes like it's a new thing, but he's one of those directors where I am attached to that name. If there's a Garamo movie out, there's a very, very good chance that I will go see it. And, uh, I'm happy that I did with this one because it was, it had all the tropes, but in the, in the best way possible. It's one of those films where even if you, they think of like criticisms, it's like, yeah, but like, it was well written, well acted, well shot, like everything's so good about it that what's the point? You know, what's the point of me sitting here and trying to destruct, like you know, deconstruct everything and come up with all these things and blah blah blah? When you're sitting there watching a Willem Dafoe performance and thinking like, damn, like this is great, but it's not just Dafoe; it's everybody. You know, everybody is on the level of just being a fantastic performance and being this intriguing noir story. Um, with, you know, just like Garibald always does, dealing with monsters in humanity. Uh, so I, I definitely recommend Nightmare Alley. It's a fantastic film. Yeah, I mean, I love Judas and the Black Messiah. I loved Nightmare Alley. I loved Licorice Pizza. Fantastic film. Uh, Another Bradley Cooper yeah. is, a, is a genius. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, I loved that film. I loved Dune. You know, I never saw Dune. Dune's good. Dune's really good. Um, I loved No Time to Die. I I also liked No Time to Die. Uh, I, I guess asking the folks at home, uh, would you be interested in in a podcast where Kirk and I sort of talk about the the Craig Bond films? Because now that it's over, and we've seen all of them, uh, it could be something to that you know we could discuss on a podcast. But obviously, only mm, if you guys are interested true. in it. But we've got things to say. Uh, a lot of our things line up pretty closely. That being said. One of us is a like lifelong Bond fan, and another one is uh, uh, fresh into the world. So I think it might be an interesting sort of mm-hmm. discussion there. But No Time to Die, I thought, was really entertaining after watching all the other previous Craig films and uh, just seeing it wrap up in all the juiciest of ways. Yeah, I loved The Worst Person in the World. Uh, amazing title, but a really great film. Uh, I loved Drive My Car, which uh, is the only international film uh, to be nominated for Best Picture, which guarantees that it's winning that award, hey. uh, the international award. <laughs> so uh, get your picks in now. But a uh, really good film uh, from Japan. It's, I mean, it's three hours long. It's intimidating to start, but it, I really liked it. Uh, I loved Pig. Nicolas Cage in Pig. Oh, yeah. That's a film people talked about there for a while. Yeah, that was a really good film. Uh, I liked Come On, Come On. I'm surprised this got completely... Just didn't get a thing. Joaquin Phoenix. It's a Mike Mills film. Joaquin Phoenix is one of those guys that every time I watch him, I realize he, he's really one of the best around, isn't he? Is that like that Smash Mouth song? Is that what that is? Which Smash Mouth song? The song. Come on, come on, and tell me... <laughs> Why you're staring? Come on, come on, stop! That song. Everybody knows that song. You know, it's it's about that song. Come to think of it. Okay. Thank you. I loved Nine Days. Just saying words at this point. Yeah, I know. I loved the Night House. I mean, there's there's a lot of films I thought were great. So, 
I've got a video about the Oscar nominees coming out. Um, I sort of go through my thoughts on each of the 10 Best Picture nominees. I don't have strong thoughts about many of the categories this year, except uh, Best Sound... No, sorry, it's Best Production Design and Best Cinematography each have the same five nominees. And I could see it going either way, anyway, because they're all five really nice choices. So... Mm. So that's the Oscars, isn't it fun? <laughs> you guys will find out. I have no idea when this fucking thing is coming out. This no. has been, a, you know, it's a, it's an experiment, guys. Like, yeah. normally we have a bit of a topic. And sure, we st- stick to things that we, we know. But, you know, there's a bit more tangents in this. And, uh, I don't know, hopefully you guys enjoyed us off the, the cuff here. Uh, it's just... We, we, we converse, you know, every every week. And... Uh, if you guys like listening to us, then we'll we'll talk to you guys. There's tons of stuff that we could talk about. Uh, we're we're kind of you know we're coming close up on time here, but there's other shit that we can talk about. Uh, Smiling Friends, yeah, is something that like just got renewed for a season two. We could talk about that. Um, there's a whole bunch of other stuff. Like th- there's things to discuss. So if you guys enjoyed this more free form, floating around the subjects, jumping off and then coming back ten minutes later. Uh, no, let us let us know. Let us know down below. There's no comment section. Tweet at Kirk, and if you want, if you really want, you can tweet at me. But tweet at Kirk, and then just let him know that you appreciate what we do. There you go. Yeah. Uh, Anthony, where can people find you on the socials? You can find me at Anthony Lantern on Twitter and Instagram. I'm also on YouTube, of course. Anthony Reviews, where Anthony Reviews. I just put up fairly recently a 40-plus minute uh, collection tour where I show off a whole lot of stuff, and it's it's a lot. It's a lot. And uh, probably by the time this comes out, I'll have another review out as well. So please check out my channel. Please watch every video, and do not skip any. I'll know about it, and uh, I'd appreciate it if you just sort of put them on repeat and left the room if you want. That's fine. <laughs> That's cheating. Um, I'm uh, at Kirk Beatty on Twitter. Uh, I, I think I'm also the same on Letterboxd. Probably should have checked that. And uh, I'm Shades at Night on YouTube. I assume you probably already know us from that if you're listening to this, but uh, I talk about movies. I talk about the Oscars a bunch. i got two Oscars videos due to come out. One about what we just talked about this year's nominees and the other about the 2014 ceremony. So enjoy that when it comes out. Thanks for watching, everybody. We'll talk to you again next time. I, 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 I guess my song bitches. Oh, I forgot That's about fine. the song. Well, what? Well, sing us, sing us a song. Well, I felt it a, a, appropriate to to sing a little song from The Simpsons. Oh, okay. I got that joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where down in my heart? Where down in my heart? I got that joy, 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 joy down in my heart. <laughs> <laughs>